But the funny bit is, if you think about it, uh, UX leadership is not for managers per se. It's for every role, I would uh, vouch, for every UX designer needs to show some kind of leadership. Because you will probably present, uh, you will be presenting the UX or representing the UX for a certain product. And with that, you need to be able to convince product managers to, to, to lead them to, to, to see that UX vision. Hello, everyone. In this episode, I'm talking to Jako Otten, who is a UX design manager at Elsevier, a large IT services company creating solutions for researchers and healthcare professionals. Jako shares his career story and how he transitioned into UX leadership uh, from an individual contributor role. We also talk about the difference between management and leadership and skills you should be working on to grow in this direction. We also touch obviously on, on the AI topic and the future of the UX design profession uh, and uh, what we should be, again, it's all speculation, but what, what we think will happen in the future. Uh, Yako also gives really interesting resume and interviewing advice for UX design candidates and much more. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hello, Yako. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Hello, Kira. How are you? I'm pretty good. I was looking forward to this conversation. Um, we tried to schedule this for quite some time, and finally we did it. Um, so I appreciate that you found time to to join me and uh, to share your experiences and your um, advice and tips uh, for uh, entry-level, junior, intermediate, senior managers uh, in the design world. I really appreciate this. My pleasure, really. I'm honored. Okay. So let's begin with the with just the the ground zero, uh, your story. How did you get into design? Um, what like what maybe key stages you went through, and what do you do today? That's a good question, actually. How I got into design? Uh, yeah, probably there's some some in there of from 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 young on. Uh, I always liked to create great stuff and such. Um, so eventually, that brought me to the Delft University of Technology. Uh, where I studied uh, industrial and design engineering. Um, and there was one, so, and that was back in the day when uh, UX or the term UI even was not coined. Uh, it was all about human computer interaction or informational mm -hmm. ergonomics, as we called it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was, you know, ergonomics was, a, was, was actually a course that we got, but that was all the physical stuff. And yeah, all the, uh, the, the, the informational bits were just coming up, which I thought was really interesting always. You know, the, the one big example I always used was the, the challenge of programming your video recorder to, to, um, to record a TV show and, and seeing your parents struggle with that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I thought it was really interesting and, and I wanted to, to do a bit more in, in, that, uh, in that direction. Uh, I was also keen on aviation. Um, so in the end, I, uh, my master's thesis was about, uh, I, I could find some professors and some adv uh, advisors uh, and got them together on a topic uh, which was about the information provision to pilots while they were flying. Uh, so yeah, it, it, quite some UI was involved in there, essentially already. Um, and after I graduated, I did a bunch of things. Um, 
some were related, some were a bit less related to that. Uh, up until a certain stage where I was asked to uh, to join a company or basically apply for a role as a UX designer. It was a smaller sized uh, company doing B, no, B2B software, essentially. And I was the first UX designer to join, really. They had a team of 10 developers. Um, and it was what was really nice about that was that I was able to sort of lay down how I envisioned a uh, design process to be, uh, which is really nice. Uh, we in the end quite successful because I was able to to get another designer uh, joining in that. So that was uh, that was really nice. And after that, I went to uh, my current company, which is now thirteen years ago. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, that's that's loyalty. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, I'm I'm amazed myself, <laughs> but it's it's a big company. Um, it's, it's Elsevier, I can tell you that. So we do, uh, lots of, uh, information provision to, uh, to the scientific world in all ways, shapes and forms. It's a large company. So I've worked on many, many products there and, and even in, in, in multiple divisions as well. Uh, it was really interesting when I joined Elsevier, there was already a UX team. So before I sort of needed to fight for every argument and all of a sudden it was like, trying to make an argument and everybody's like, yeah, we agree. <laughs> so that felt like a warm bath. That was really nice. <laughs> and um, yeah, there I started as a, as a UX designer. So just working on the products, but I had a bit of a lead role already. So there was, it was not a formal role. It was just, um, I was, I was doing design work and I was also coordinating some work for the others essentially. And um in the end, this evolved when I was actually moved uh, to to what we call uh, life sciences. So that's the products that really uh, targets the well, mostly pharmaceutical industry, uh, really complex problems, uh, really interesting things there. And when I joined there, it was really interesting. The, um, there were two contractors working there. Both were working in St. Petersburg, but they didn't know of each other. And I was the first uh, uh, Elsevier employee to, to join uh, in that team at that stage. And I was, I was just getting acquainted with both. And one told me that he was doing a design, which, which was basically a pattern that the other one uh, just recently used already. And I was like, hey, that's interesting. Don't, haven't you talked with each other about this already? So I sort of connected uh, them, which was really, yeah, for them, a really pleasant experience because all of a sudden they could, in their native language, they could talk. I could bring them some more information about uh, the look and feel, the branding of Elsevier. Um, yeah, and that, that made me think that, that that there was an opportunity to sort of create a an official or semi-official team around that. So I went to my manager saying, well, you know, I'm supposed to be designing for this product but there's also a, a bigger thing going on. And will you allow me to, to, to sort of create the, uh, or, or, you know, coordinate and make a bit of a team out of this. Um, and that, that sort of, uh, well, evolved into now I have a team of uh, eight people. First, I was, uh, or first I was just unofficially uh, guiding the folks, really just leading. Uh, at one stage I was the official lead. And now I'm, I'm managing, and it's basically a, a team of uh, eight designers 
across three countries and uh, two time zones. Uh, yeah, the, and, and you can see really the, the basis of all of this has been sharing and uh, reusing patterns to be just efficient and to, to really help each other out, which is still a, a, a really valuable uh, aspect of my team. Well, that sounds like a very, first of all, impressive loyalty to one company. That's that's my personal <laughs> uh, nugget here. Um, I rarely see people these days who who can last uh, so many years in in one company. Granted, though, um, I've seen more examples of this. Um, I guess perseverance uh, in large companies when there is like multiple different, especially complex problems to work on and more opportunities to grow, first of all, and to try different things. So it's not really gets uh, all the boring, uh, or like, yeah, repetitive, right? So I think that kind of would explain it. So, but still impressive, still impressive. It's, it's true what you say, by the way, that's um, this, this is the first, so the, the, the company before I was four years, which is already long for me. <laughs> so, but it, it's true. It's, um, I see actually quite a few colleagues. It's sort of, um, well, it's, it's not so natural these days anymore, but back in the day it was just, you know, people got in and then almost up until their retirements are yeah. around. So there's a bunch of people who are there 25 years or so <laughs> yeah. or longer. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the, the ability, especially as a designer, to be able to move from, from one product to another or even a division, have, have much different challenges that, that keeps it uh, interesting, exciting. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, and again, like not every person needs that variety, right? And like ability to try different things. Uh, but for me, I agree. I'm I'm the same. Um, I would. Yeah, I appreciate when there are there is uh, there are options to choose from, and there is also internal support to try them, right? So my day job right now is at Amazon, and I would say this is one of the most impressive companies that I've heard of um, after working obviously in it. Um, so my first kind of experience. Uh, that has so many different teams, departments, like lines of business. It's just like it's a huge, huge company. So you can spend, the, like I can see how one one person can spend the whole life working with one company, but just kind of going to different teams and working on different products, even like different devices. They have like voice experience. They have robotics. They have now drones. Uh, so there's just like, it feels like endless opportunities to try different technologies uh, different teams, even like a level of maturity when you can be just one person team, if you enjoy that, or can be a part of a bigger team, like with like really detailed processes and like specialized roles. So it's the variety is very, very appealing. And there is lots of also internal support, uh, from the management, from the leadership, um, to, to really kind of explore different teams and, uh, even move within, within, uh, within the company. Regularly, um, I think yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good good perk. And I guess it's yeah, it's, especially if you have such a variety, it's almost like you work for a different company, right? Exactly, culture is different. It's like there's only maybe some high level company wide, like Amazon specific things, like document writing and like more this leadership principle that they follow, kind of more like their guidelines. But uh, from what I've I've talked to many people in different different parts of the world, different parts, different like different brands, right? Because Amazon also um, acquires or ha has acquired many many different companies, and each company brings its own culture. So it's almost like you're not even actually the the paperwork says Amazon, but in reality it's like completely different uh, everything. So it's it's very very yeah varied from that point of view, which which is good.
It's, I recognize it a bit. And what I what I, what I do appreciate still with Elsevier, it's still sort of overviewable, and and the the the, the UX community is quite close knit. Um, and we also have, for instance, a, a weekly showcase with with the full breadth of uh, all Elsevier UX. Oh, really? Also yeah. to keep that connection. Um, so. Yeah, and, and even actually one of the contractors I had in my team last year and, and the, the assignment ended, and she was actually able to find a, a spot uh, at in another division. Nice. Um, and, but there's, yeah, every, every once in a while we, we still talk and then we see each other, so that's really nice. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. With Amazon, with Amazon, it's probably like, yeah, it's not as easy to keep this connection. So it's like it's a huge company, it's but really yeah, huge. I agree. <laughs> Let's go back to your to your journey. So I'm really interested to dig deeper into your experience um, of transitioning and how do you really start taking on more like the lead role first, right? As you mentioned, like you're kind of more like organization and uh, really almost like running a team, but without being official manager. And um, how how like a designer who who wants to go the management route, what skills they need to start building? What are the things they need to really, I guess, get ready for to kind of transition to this new role? Because nobody will give you like a manager position right away. No. So you have to show these leadership skills. You have to show these traits, behaviors for, I would say, like years potentially um, uh, consistently to prove that you can be a manager be before you're, you're already a manager or like there is a job for you, right? So it's, maybe you can share some tips from your experience. Yeah, that's correct, indeed. Um, yeah, where did it start? Uh, <laughs> that's a really good one. You know, it's I've so I've when I uh, joined Elsevier, I, I was just really uh, thinking I would be just an individual contributor, and they asked you, "Can you also do the coordination role?" And I must say, I I, I enjoyed doing that already. So with that, I think sort sort of the seed was already planted. Um, I think yeah, the, the realization for me to really go into the the management track to so the people leading uh, role was that you know I well obviously everybody gets older luckily and but still there's you know I can I can think you know I'm I'm a real good designer which I'm well <laughs> hopefully everybody thinks that right and you need to to have that. Um, to be convinced about yourself to, to really you know, be a good designer. But uh, I, what I was thinking was that there's so many good people coming off from these design schools and it's going to be a day when there's people that are just much better than me. So what better role than for me to have is to, to, to step away, to, to create space for them, but then use my experience to, to basically create the venue for them to facilitate and to, to help them with my experience and my connections to uh, to become an even better designer and to be successful in, in what they do. And I think that that realization really brought me to, okay, yeah, I, I want to go into this management track. And talking about the fact that management manager's job is it's very different from being a designer, right? So it's like you completely, it's almost like a completely separate job. 
yes and no, I want to say. <laughs> and and and, and I'll, I'll go into management versus leadership here because you know, management for sure, which is, you know, it's a different role. And, uh, but the funny bit is, if you think about it, uh, UX leadership is not for managers per se. It's for every role, I would uh, vouch, for every UX designer needs to show some kind of leadership because you will probably present uh you will be presenting the ux or representing the ux for a certain product and with that you need to be able to convince product managers to 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 lead them to to, to see that ux vision so even on a, on a lower scale and obviously it's it's a different kind of leadership but it's leadership you need to show that already there so you know it's, it's sort of a evolving kind of thing there you know for me another thing what what, what i realized that well long while ago is that in, in order for UX to be uh, effective, you need to be proactive. So you want to not come in late in the, in the, in the process of, of creating a product, because then you, you're basically just the surface and you can do you know, some touch up left and right, and that's it. But if you really want to, you know, build a good UI, UX, uh, a good product, essentially, you want to be involved early and upfront. So, you know, it's, I've always been striving for being involved earlier and earlier. I think that's also helping in, in, in yeah, getting more into that leadership position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so one of the, the, the aspects that you mentioned, though, is then, um, which is completely different from your design skills, is to be able to sort of be that natural leader. So without, uh, without the, the, the management power, if you will, quote unquote, uh, you still want to be able to convince people on, with good reasoning that that you know they should go a certain route which is favorable for for the product and for what you see as as being a good product from from your perspective yeah and with great power as you said um also comes great responsibility right so like uh, i i've considered myself from time to time i come back to this idea if i want to go the management track and uh, every time I think about this and I, I learn more about, maybe not, not learn, but refresh my memory on the not so fun parts of being a manager about like layoffs and really kind of difficult conversations because as a manager, that's part of your job, right? Uh, so, and especially with the recent round of layoffs, uh, like across many different companies in tech, um, it's it's kind of r- reminded me of that part of the job. like. Because like in the good times, right, you're going to do more hiring and kind of coaching and training, but you don't really necessarily like have to let people go. Even because like during the, these downturns, uh, from what I understand, managers have, not managers, companies have to let go uh, completely uh, competent and smart and intelligent people like for non-performance issues, just because downsizing and stuff. So, and this like really... I would say an activity that I would not be looking forward to. <laughs> Hopefully, nobody is looking forward to that. To be really honest, you know, the, sociopath maybe. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be working for that manager. <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah, no, that's that's definitely not my hobby, uh, and luckily, I've not been in that position either. Um, but it's interesting because it's what you say is already applicable for. Uh, for anybody who joins your uh, your team, 
that will want to uh, move on uh, at one certain stage and, and or maybe go to a different team or seize another opportunity somewhere. Um, and I have, I've become sort of my, my basic stance has become that, you know, as, and this is, I think as UX designer, we should be quite capable of doing this as we are change managers, essentially, right? If you, as a designer, if you, if you just want to persist everything that's there, then why are you a designer? Because you want to change, you want to, you want to, you know, uh, you want to go against the status quo yeah, and, and make and, a dent and, in the universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with that, you need to accept that people come and people go and you know, when they choose to, to move to, to, to another, uh, assignment or, or do something else, then, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for, for, for you as a manager or for the team, but it's actually good for them. Right. So, so to, to be able to evolve them and, and, and that makes it much easier to, to let people go as well. I'm not saying that, you know, it's actually uh, actually, last week uh, there's, there's a slight reorganization going on where where uh, a certain part of my team will be reporting into a different team. So, and and this is a person I just hired a few months ago, um, and she's doing really good. And, and then you learn that yes, she needs to leave you as a manager and then go somewhere else. Like no, <laughs> uh, and that's frustrating. I can tell you, um, yeah, but it's I. That notion is that, you know, people, you, everybody, uh, yeah, every, everything changes and that, that's not bad. You know, you just need to make sure that you know, things go as, as good as possible in that sense. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's, it's a bit, um, as um, what I was thinking about this interview, I was thinking essentially as a manager, you, it's, it's the, and this is very close to, to as a UX designer, you basically are working on the UX of a UX designer. So what is their experience and how can you best support them? And, and how, what, you know, if, if you need to tell a, a not so fun uh, message, do you sort of postpone that? Or do you just, you know, uh, tear the bandaid off just straight up and, and just be clear about it so that, uh, that they at least know what they are up for? Yeah, yeah. And I agree. Like they're probably also, I guess, known best practices from the, from the, I guess, years of psychology research um, and um, business uh, and companies uh, about how to deliver this bad news, right? Like the, the, like the recommendations or like the best practices, so to say. However, I've noticed that like, and again, I, I'm not aware of, the, of these best practices, but I have best practices that I determined for myself from my own experience, what I would expect as a receiving side, right, of this message potentially, okay. yeah. Um, like, just kind of, I, I would appreciate directness and really cut to the chase and more like really give me the message, right? Uh, instead of kind of delaying and potentially sometimes for weeks, months. So I think also like the emotions uh, and like really this, not fear, but maybe hesitation of what would be the reaction for, from this uh, other side, from the person that who receives the news. As a manager, you probably, you, you may experience this kind of friction, kind of maybe I actually I can do it like next week and so on. So I can, I can understand like more emotions kind of really impacting how this, his communication happens. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, it's definitely true. Uh, yeah. 
you need to tell it uh, one day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not today. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's, it, 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 well, and, and again, luckily, um, I, I've not been in that position. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a bit theoretical in a, for, from my perspective. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's obviously not the reason why you want to become a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about challenges and like frustrations uh, as a manager, like maybe maybe you can share what you think, like what might maybe keeps you up at night, like what are really kind of the biggest struggle or problem that a UX manager has, and maybe uh, I don't want you to go into like specifics of of your particular empro- employer, but like as a as a role itself, like is there any maybe pattern or some kind of more universal thoughts that the UX manager thinks about? Well, yeah, I think one of the most universal things are you always need more UXers, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it not there. So fighting for that budget and trying to, um, to to find places where you can get the budget from, um, it's, an, it's it's an everlasting. Uh, uh, thing that's going on you know for yeah it's it's especially so we report into technology and then it's so the money is that the budgets are equal for for developers as much as they are for uh ux designers or researchers and then it's it's, it's always a bit of a give and take in that sense and yeah we always see room for improvement uh there why do you think that is like why do you think because this is not a like i've heard about this problem many many times and frankly i experienced this problem daily so to say <laughs> over the course of the last decade working in different companies and um, it seems like it's a very probably if you had to choose one common problem across all design teams it's like we need more people and we always kind of keep fighting like really convincing stakeholders like what do you think that this problem exists that's a good one it it's it's not easy to to really answer that, but I think uh, in part is 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 you know, UX is is quite a, a younger uh, profession in that sense. So we need sort of to still in terms of maturity always sort of you know show who we are. But there's also as designers, you know, as and I think this is sort of uh, a key part. There is what is design, right? And and lots of people still think it's sort of you know the the the, the beautification of it, right? It's aesthetics. Whilst you now, if you talk about Jobs, uh, Stephen Jobs, he already said, right? It's 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 integrated. It's it's basically the everything and and how you you know, make a whole out of it. And that also means you come across. You need to sort of be a bit of a product manager. You need to be a bit of a more program or at least think alongside you need to be able to do all of those things so you will be having some sort of what is it a shared responsibility where, where, where's the cutoff line essentially there and right and if you have all these product managers already there that do already talk with with your customers um so they think oh we can do this right why do we need a designer for this and also the other thing is that um it's everybody has an opinion about design and, and but that maybe people then think is therefore i am a designer well we know it's it's different <laughs> than that but yeah it's interesting how that goes and you know to a certain extent uh look at the c level suite you have a ceo you have a c uh cto uh what's the cfo 
so sort of financials, technology, uh, yeah, and all of them are there represented, but the CXO is not always or you know regularly not in 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 a company, so you're not being represented on that level, and I think that's that's part of that deal in that sense as well. How would you solve this problem, <laughs> Blue Sky? Oh, that's a good one. Well, it's well maybe get that CXO in there <laughs> so that they can sort of trickle it down. It's showing your worth, I think, as well, and and you know, people need to realize like it's not us versus them. It's actually you know we can be the glue in between all these aspects that can bring a product forward really, really well. And and they need to sort of see that. Um, but it also means that, that if you talk about that, that um, maybe they need a bit less product managers or a bit less uh, developers, which is a bit harder conversation than uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, it's, it's, tricky. it's a tricky yeah. one. It's definitely yeah, a big, hairy problem that doesn't seem to have an easy uh, solution yeah so but yeah uh, so far I've seen like that the the most common attempt to to improve the situation is to really from the ground up trying to show uh, the value and kind of it's really really slow very often painful process of building this trust and um, and kind of getting more stakeholders education um, and yeah, it feels like that every next team is like different <laughs> and you have to do it like from scratch again. And it's, yeah, it's definitely lots of repetition and um, yeah. It's yeah, one step at a time. Message. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, patience is key. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> okay, so let's talk about your part of your job when you interview designers, when you hire designers, right? I'm sure you've, even like before you officially started being a manager, I'm sure that you were involved in reviewing applications and really kind of interviewing uh, candidates. So I wonder if from you, again, just your personal opinion and experience, right? And conclusions. What lessons learned from all these interviews? Like what what stands out? Um, who, who are the most successful candidates? Um, what's like maybe not to do, like red flags, all that stuff. So any recommendations, any advice on that? Okay, it's a good one. Uh, and yes, I've I've uh, I've hired a few. Uh, meanwhile, so uh, yeah, I've seen seen a bunch of uh, re- enough resumes and portfolios fly by. Um, well, I think one big red flag for me would be to just uh, well, one is actually not sending a portfolio over, which I've seen. It's like this is a resume. It's like okay, that's interesting, but you know, and if you think about it, it's it's not that complicated really because. I don't know a person, so I don't know what kind of designer that person is. And I want to know what kind of designer this person is to be see, to see if this person can be successful in the team, because that's my concern. I want this person to be successful. Um, and in order to be successful in, 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 in my space, you need to be able to, so we don't have lone wolf designers, for instance, um, you, um, so you need to be able to work with uh, lots of people because the, 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 the things we work on are complex. They're really complex. So it, you need lots of people, um, uh, product managers with a lot of in-depth knowledge. Uh, obviously, you need to work with uh, front-end, back-end, uh, SMEs, so subject matter experts. 
you cannot do this on your own. So you need to be a team player as well. And um, to be able to bring these all these stakeholders along in your design process, it's 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 essential that you are able to to provide your design rationale. Because if you start talking about so basically, if, if I would be asking a, a designer, why did you do this? Um, just out of curiosity. And they say, well, because I liked it. It's like, okay, but if you talk about liking, it's going to be interesting because we can talk about, you know, at, at a bar in the evenings. <laughs> it could stretch out for, for hours because, you know, if, if, you, if, if you need to have a, con a discussion uh, over liking, you will never... Yeah, you'll never get... Uh, you'll never resolve anything in, in that way. So you need to... Be able to, to to articulate why you choose certain decisions to bring people along to to have that conversation, the discussion about is that the best solution or do we, can we have alternatives in there? And that's for me a key aspect that I want to see in uh, in, in people's resumes or uh, in their portfolio. Then I want them to. So one one other bad, uh, red flag is just show some uh, basically dribble page where you only have some really nice uh, renderings like well, that looks cool okay what now <laughs> won't cut it <laughs> no no it's like okay yeah sorry it looks beautiful but it's, yeah that's not what i'm looking for what i'm what i need really is to to, to that 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 if you want to you know apply for, for a role in my team you need to bring me along with what kind of designer are you how did you do this uh, it, it doesn't need to look pretty, you know. Design is actually a uh, design process is messy. It's iterative. It, it requires sketches. Show me those. How did you get to the insights? How did what 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 were the what were the options that you had? Why did you choose certain things? Uh, what information were you struggling with? How, how what would you improve later on if you look back? Because that tells me a lot about who you are as a professional designer working in a team. Also, what was your role there? And, and if it's just a little role, but it was a key aspect in there, by all means, mention that. Because that, that's what brings me in. You know, bring, tell a story, which as a designer is, is crucial anyways. Be able to tell a, a story. So, yeah, that would be the key aspect there. <laughs> what about uh, resumes? Um, any tips, any advice? Yeah, resumes are always a bit harder. And what I like... Uh, in Elsevier, typically, you know, we had some some note about you know the seniority requires so many uh, years on the job experience, which makes sense. But we started rethinking that from an inclusivity and diversity perspective, that there might just be people around. And we saw that uh, during COVID or after COVID, where people were rethinking their roles a bit. You might have had quite some experience related. Um, and and have added some some you know uh, on 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 you know on point skills. Uh, meanwhile, to be enough to be considered in that seniority, so um, we've we've become a bit more wider in that. Um, yeah, as long as it's it's sort of a gates. Uh, stage essentially there, right? It's just basically ticking the boxes. You know, does this look okay? No, 
no, no crazy things in there that somebody's done three jobs at once or so, or, you know, things like that. So again, th thinking through all your experience interviewing, uh, maybe some candidates really stand out from others. Like what really makes them special? Which is a really good question. Uh, yeah, I think for me, people who have stood out are, are the ones that ask questions to me. And in every interview at the end, uh, I give uh, people the, the opportunity to, to ask questions. And yeah, that's the ones who really, you know, are prepared or want to know a bit more, just you know, really show that they are uh, interested and involved, uh, which is just yeah, really nice. And the other aspect um, is also, typically I do uh, interview with, with, with a number of my team, uh, also to get more diverse uh, input from them in how they uh, appreciate this this candidate and um, to see them interact with them to see if they are a team at if if, uh, if I want to say right and, and fit in the team that, that's obviously really really interesting as well and to see if yeah if, if they yeah I think that those are the people that really stand out most to me it's funny you say about the, the first part about the, the asking the questions right so and I was trying to remember also like who would really kind of kind of st stuck in my memory after all because I also kind of uh, was involved in interviewing um, many times, and you're right like it's 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 true for for myself as well, especially when the questions are really tailored to the product or the company, or basically it shows that the person invested their time uh, and researched the the company and all the resources available and really thought through through uh, the questions and really kind of shows their curiosity and um, I like it probably stands out because so few people do this yeah um, the vast majority of the questions sometimes they don't ask questions at all uh, but the vast majority of the questions that I can recall um, the vast majority of the candidates ask questions of really kind of what you can Google online like uh, like questions to ask in an interview right. Uh, and like really generic, really, yeah, doesn't stand out for sure. I agree. Agreed. I've had one where it was really, really challenging. It was like, whoa, <laughs> which was really, you know, at one point it was like, okay, but it was, it was good for me also. <laughs> That's to, a bit too you good. Know, point. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, agreed. And and it's, you know, maybe as a tip as well, you know, being in um, in a hiring interview. It, it's 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 a dialogue that's going on. It's it's not a one way. We ask you, you deliver. It's it's really like if if you're part of of, of the team, we we talk and we, we 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 share things together. So yeah, if if that already shows there, that's that's a good uh, good sign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay, let's move to the bigger topics um, and the future of this profession. Huh. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, um, and especially in your industry, because it's quite, I would think, much more complicated and complex than uh, the majority of other products. Uh, like healthcare True. is like really, really challenging. Uh, from what I know, I guess, like can imagine, because I, I don't think I ever worked with healthcare, probably not. Um, and I suspect that there is a bit more human touch needed or not a bit more but maybe much more human touch needed even like in the in the simple tasks uh, just because there's like such a big risk of 
of error or just you know kind of relying on AI would be probably would come later to healthcare. Uh, this is just my uneducated guess. But I'm curious to hear, like, what do you think about the, this uh, the new wave of tools and the technology and uh, how fast everything's developing and what impact will it have on the UX designer profession and healthcare? With new tools, uh, are you thinking more in, in terms of AI or... Chat GPT, yes, yeah. and all this kind of yeah, generative that kind of get better every day, every yeah. hour. Yeah, and it goes fast. It's, it's amazing. Um, well, it touches us on, on really two fronts. Uh, one is uh, using it as a tool for your products. And the other, obviously, is how does it affect you as a designer later on? So what will the influence of AI be in, in our profession? Uh, exactly. And how you can prepare for that. And yeah. uh, all the new joiners, right? So who just kind of starting out. Uh, maybe they should focus on some other skills and uh, some other parts of the of this job uh, to kind of get future proofed. Yeah, it's it's an interesting and intriguing question, which is at this stage really hard to to answer um, because it's evolving so quickly. And you know, it's it's not like yeah, you know, I actually have a bunch in my team who really want to get uh, so we were going to development uh, uh, plans. And, and quite a few are really interested and want to want to go deeper into AI there. But it's not that there's a course out there that says, you know, this is UI or AI, and this is how you use it for your uh, in your profession, right? There's a lot of discovery for yourself there as well. Um, it's it's intriguing because, and, and now I will be talking about it f to use it in your products. Um, I think. Uh, so it's what you can sort of bring it back to an essence where it's just technology <laughs> sounds really odd, but it's just technology, right? And it's, uh, I think the key question for any UX designer is how do you make this uh, technology humane? So how, how, what is, what is the human measure in this? So, so how, how do you, and especially uh, around something that, you know, if you ask a question one day and it gives you a certain answer and you would ask the same question another day, it would give a different answer, then it's going to be interesting, right? And because then the question is, okay, how can I trust this, this technology? What can I um, expect from this piece of technology? If, if it's going to be different any time, is it going to be helpful for me or is it actually... Uh, reducing my trust on the tool. And I think this is sort of the, regardless of the technology, if, if you see that as a black box, it's as, as the, the challenge for, for any designer is still, how can we make this transparent? How can we make this uh, understandable for, for any human uh, being, what it does and, and, and what you can expect from it, right? to a certain level and, and how, how can you bring that clarity, that openness um, so that you know, okay, I can, I can use this for, for this, uh, which is in essence is what we already do today. So um, yeah, it's, yeah. And it's going to be different, obviously. <laughs> um, but, but, the, the, you know, I think if you bring it back to that essence and, and start from there to, to rebuild it and, and think about, okay, what implications does it have for 
for anything like like this. And for instance, uh, I was just having a conversation this week with with one of my uh, folks. It was about uh, well, basically the the conversational aspect of it. It basically means that from a designer's perspective, or from a, from from your perspective as as, as a product uh, group, how do you want this to come this tool across? Do you want to uh, what, what tone of voice does it need? So what is that conversational aspect? So so uh, and and how do you fill that in? Uh, which is maybe a bit overlooked or or more towards uh, UX writing to, to a certain point, but maybe that needs to have more uh, prominence if, if you used uh, a tool like that in, in a way like that. Or so. and, and in essence, any product you can see as, as having some sort of traits, right? So so how, how do you want to get your product across? What, what type of error messages do you do you prevent or do you provide? Is it, is it really, you know, uh, really strict, or do you do you do a bit more around it to bring the message uh, nicely? Um, and and, and to, to, so yeah, there's, there's again a lot of parallels there. As a designer, and and how it will affect our profession, it's interesting. You know, I think I see I see potential, for instance, in 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 the idea that you know, knowing that you can basically create uh, code already and and quite trustworthy code. It, it should be much simpler to create uh, prototypes that are quite elaborate, right? Right now, we know in our tools we can do so much, but you know, at a certain stage, it becomes really difficult. But if the, if you can, you know, let ChatGPT or any other uh, generative AI piece uh, create a prototype for you with 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 all the various uh, interactions that you need to to uh, to validate, that can actually uh, be be quite a time saver, right? Things like that. Uh, what I also heard, for instance, is that it can help you uh, build your design system, uh, which is also a really laborious uh, thing. And, and building is one, right? But maintaining is another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oftentimes where, it, where things fall. <laughs> um, so to that aspect, I think that, that can be really helpful there. And But typically what I see right now still is that it's more on the, on the diverging aspect of, of in, in, if you're more in the diverging stage. That it's you know Miro, for instance, already with their AI uh, tools, it can help you bring new suggestions, be sort of a conversation partner to, to a certain extent to help you uh, get your thoughts more structured and yeah, to maybe come up with some alternative ideas. Do you use it for in your role? I I have not done it yet, and uh, it's um, we need to be be cautious in in, uh, in uh, I think in any company because if you share things on a, on a, yeah. in, in, a, in a platform like chat GPT obviously it's it's out in the open so we can only use fenced off uh, instances mm-hmm. uh, so we need to be really ca- careful with how we use it so. yeah yeah makes sense yeah I agree I think the opportunity the potential of minimizing the tedious repetitive uh, like manual tasks that we have to do today with AI. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm I'm curious really how how the freed up time, the time that we kind of the, these tools free up from designers, how this time will be 
effectively used um, for something else, something more maybe deep strategic thinking, maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like I, I'm curious, like because like if you think about the current, and again we can average out like a typical UX designer's job, right? Like with like different activities, design related, stakeholder management related, presentations, like design systems. Like if you can think of all the different slices in this whole spectrum of all the possible UX design activities, UX designer activities. Uh, and these will be like different across different companies, but like you can, you, you can, you can, you can compile like this spectrum, right? Uh, universal yeah. for the industry, which ones will get kind of lower uh, with AI, like because it's like automated, so you don't have to spend as much time because you have these tools and instead of like doing this for three days, you can do it like for within an hour, right? And like you have this extra two days left now, like which which of these other verticals or slices will get that extra time? I wonder. Provided it will go that way, because I was actually talking to uh, to, uh, to, to a number of um, uh, development leads, and they they come up with all this uh, all this new technology, and and they they basically see their work speeding up three times as well. So probably we still need to catch up with them. <laughs> in the end uh, so i'm not sure how much time we will gain um but actually one aspect i i did not touch upon is uh, where i think ux designers can be really uh, well suited is also um, be thoughtful about the well the, the, maybe the, the not so nice aspects uh, of of ai and make sure that the things uh, that are being designed for are being done in, in a proper way. Um, and, and yeah, I think as, as UX designers, and we see that, you know, not only for AI, but basically as, as, as the whole design movement, you know, it's, uh, yeah, when we started doing UI work and then it went to become UX, now it's more strategic. Um, so yeah, uh, probably uh, one of the newer fronts are, is also to, to be responsible about the, uh, our designs that we create, right? And to really, you know, probably we need to spend quite some time to, to make sure that we what we create is, is done right and, and uh, socially access, acceptable as well. Are talking about like more ethical side ethical of the design side, question? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky one to... <laughs> I don't know, like I'm kind of maybe just my, also my mind and uh, my education, like background, like because I come from like computer, like information systems design and like computer science kind of mix. I kind of, even though like it sounds like a very human heavy thinking uh, activity or like area of design, like ethics, right? But somehow I think that you can, you can define rules in a more like this data analytical way that the system can follow to use in that kind of in that logic when it generates output. So kind of, I don't think it will be a problem. It's just a matter of time, maybe like a month, a year, I don't know, like five years, mm -hmm. but I think it will be possible to uh, automate or at least kind of, yeah, automate, not necessarily AI, but automate that part of the thinking uh, to kind of add this layer to the design results, outcomes and everything. Uh, because uh, if you if you really kind of analyze ethics, I think it's a kind of a pretty clear list of you, you can define a pretty clear list of kind of almost like 
do's and don'ts, right? Like how I see it, like a checklist of sorts. And obviously it's simplified and there's like lots of like nuances. It depends on like context and and uh, yeah, other kind of situations. But I think it's it's not impossible. It, I, I, intriguing, really. I, I It's hard for me to, to really... Uh, yeah, it's it, you might be true there. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, as, as UX designers, we are always looking at the, the humane aspect of things. And I think, you know, and, and yeah, it makes sense that there's probably some uh, some bunch of rule sets, but obviously it's about the, the, the various, the, this really specific nuances, right? And if this, if, if it, is it really that? Is, is that a, a full on logic or is it something else that's at play, right? Yeah. And I agree, like there, there will be some kind of clear, I guess, guidelines, but there's also kind of all this gray area in between, right? And like, uh, if you had like all this com- potential complexity in the, co- in the context, I think it will be definitely risky to follow to allow this automation system to kind of take like full control of it, right? So there still will be needed kind of a, a human check. It's it's almost like reminds me of this the um, um, automated cars like the the AI driving uh, systems when you can automate it up to like ninety five percent, but the remaining five percent it's almost like impossible in the real kind of world application. And if you allow, like, if you kind of um, trust the AI to do this remaining five on its own, it's almost like millions of people will die or something like this, like over the course of some time. So it's like bigger risk reward um, ratio there. Yeah, the crucial 5% there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, is it even possible to kind of get to the 100%? I, I'm not certain. <laughs> With humans, we will find humans, out are, humans are tricky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know what they will do. No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so maybe maybe we're already on time. Um, maybe one last question. Uh, that's going back to kind of resume portfolio interviewing and kind of just the 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 application side. So thinking about the current situation when uh, layoffs are still happening, right, and more and more people joining the job, job market with more experience. So if you had, for example, if you're just intermediate or junior level, uh, how would you really, like you personally, how would you approach job search today to to stand out from this kind of the rest of the, in the sea of all other applicants? Yeah, I'd say, first of all, just always try to be the, the best version of yourself and, and but stay close to who you are because, you know, you can sort of maybe... If you are uh, in in, in a, an application, you might you know get some veneer on, and and it might look good. But in the end, uh, it, you want it to be in a place where it's a nice fit for you as well, where you can be successful, right? Um, so I think that that's a crucial bit that you always need to do. When, yeah, and and I think if you wanna, I think it's crucial to, to at least to, to uh, stay connected to your craft so so keep on doing it even if you if, if you don't if, if you are in between jobs or so and then still and maybe through voluntary work or so that um that there's a space where um where your design skills can be honed uh, or maybe some soft skills in which you you know, if you want to go for a management tracker one day, <laughs> those are much more important than than your design skills. Uh, then, yeah, I think that that would be my approach to it. And, and yeah, try to use your network, um, make connections, um, 
there's luckily uh, all sorts of UX uh, uh, communities around, uh, which, which are always a good source. Um, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, last question. If money wasn't a problem and you didn't have to worry about this, what would you do? I saw you had like you have a bunch of hobbies, so I wonder if there's like something that you would really switch to. Yeah, I, um, I think if if money would not be an option, I I think I would want to go into uh, theater production. I re I really love uh, you know that that magic uh, world and and. You know, be, being creative there and, and using technology to, to really make it come alive. I th yeah, I think there would be something that I would probably... Theater, you mean like the plays and like all the characters and everything? Yeah, a musical, uh, most of so my wife and I really love musicals. Um, so, yeah, I, that would be, I think, uh, yeah. Interesting. That's where I would be going then. As, as a work... I guess at the industry, perhaps like Disney and like with their more creative and artistic approach to their products and experiences, maybe an interesting avenue to explore. Well, <laughs> so maybe one day. Yeah. To mind. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Thanks. Can you imagine like designing an experience for a new Disneyland? <laughs> I actually have been thinking about that. You know, where it's, it's, it's you know, just, just indeed designing a roller coaster and, and, and actually not only that but also the waiting experience right that, that yeah. they already Yo, there, there are many parts like search service design it's yeah. definitely yeah uh, away from the screens and like it's 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 a different mindset you have to to take on uh, yeah, I, I had some experience with service design definitely had to change my mindset quite a bit to think like outside of just device but like everything that's that's around the person yeah it's it's interesting yeah yeah it's yeah I, I th yeah that would be a lovely challenge <laughs> yeah Okay, so if anybody wants to find you online and uh, chat more, ask more questions, um, maybe clarify something that you said, uh, sure. is there a way to reach you? I think the easiest way to do so is just try to connect through with me on LinkedIn. Uh, but don't just send me an invite to, uh, to, to, uh, to connect because uh, I'm not looking forward to just widen my connection, but I, you know, just reach out to me with with a question or a story or you know a reason why you want to connect with me because if i don't know you again right it's why would i want to connect with you so mm -hmm. but so still feel free uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Be so you don't like the the generic copy paste messages that people send <laughs> well if if i know the person and i've worked with the person then uh, for sure i i don't mind just just sending that that standard message but if i don't know you yet and, and um, if I can help you in any way, shape, or form, then uh, let me know that. Then, yeah. Yeah, and that's another way to stand out, like asking the the right question in that message. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Yako. This was super interesting. I learned uh, quite a few. Like you planted a few interesting uh, thoughts in my head, um, seeds about um, the management world, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I love the conversation. Thank you. It was really my pleasure, Kirill. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, for inviting me to this podcast.